Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome, friends and fiends, to another holiday film feast special episode of Culture and Classic Podcast, the podcast where we bring you two films uh, thematically linked, one mainstream and one cult. But of course, we break that tradition during December to bring uh, a smattering of uh, bizarre holiday flicks that people may not know about. So today's episode is a Christmas zombie musical from uh, uh, good old Scotland. And with me, of course, I'm your host, Nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian extraordinaire. And with me, I have Greg Johnson. How are you doing, Greg? I'm uh, I'm doing really well, Nate. I appreciate you coming for uh, part one of my 27-part series on kangaroos. <laughs> we, of course, begin with um, the pouch and why it's, in reality, disgusting and not like the cartoons. <laughs> Excellent. I absolutely look forward to this airing on uh, why marsupials are actually gross, uh, an episodic podcast in five parts. Up next, we have Jeff Tucker. How are you doing, Jeff? Wow. How do I beat that? I'm, I'm good. Kangaroos can't fart, maybe. Is that true? I think so. Horses can't throw up. So, okay. Anyway, all right. That has been this episode of Colton Classic Podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, we're talking today about the the UK film, excuse me, well, it is a UK film, but the Scottish film, Anna and the Apocalypse. Uh, pulling up my notes here. So the thing about Anna and the Apocalypse is that the name is not a good one, in my opinion. This is a 2017 film uh, and this isn't a diss on the film itself it's just that when i think of apocalypse i think of the world ending as that is literally what it means and uh anna does not really face a world ending per se it's, it's just a zombie outbreak and their small scottish town so that aside it is a as I said a the, zombie... the, the term zombie apocalypse is a turn of phrase people use i, I guess i guess it is um uh i think well We'll, we'll we'll keep talking about it. Obviously, that's what this episode is about. But um, it is it is based on a short film called Zombie Musical uh, from 2011 by um, Vine Sensation Ryan McHenry. Very funny, very uh, fascinating guy who unfortunately passed away a few years after he made that in 2015. Uh, so this was expanded and uh, and sort of turned into a feature length film by. Um, the right of course ryan mchenry had something to do with it and then alan mcdonald finished the script and uh john fail 
directed it. <clears throat> There's a pretty solid cast of people who've been in other things and continue to be in, uh, in, in more and more productions. So I think people coming into this film may spot, especially in TV uh, or, or BBC uh, genre shows might recognize some faces, but it's kind of, well, the trailer has a film critic saying that it is Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land, which I think is utter rubbish. Um, it is probably closer to Shaun of the Dead meets uh, uh, High School, school Musical. Music. Yeah. High School yeah. Musical. Uh, very much so. Um, <clears throat> and that's, you know what, that's not a bad thing. I'm willing to give that a shot. Now, uh, full disclosure, I actually reviewed this film for HorrorNews.net. You can still go to HorrorNews.net and find my review of this. Um, but there's a lot of... It, there's a lot of things to talk about in this film because it is a well-produced musical feature film that ends up, in my mind, sort of getting a harsher criticism than some of the no-budget schlock films we cover on this channel, only because when you see a certain level of production, you actually expect more. And so sometimes the small things that bother you about it, either the narrative structure or pacing or, or whatnot, um, seem to be more of a detriment and it, it's just sort of a the unfair nature of double standard we judge uh better films quote unquote more harshly than films that uh really use every ounce of their very minimal uh resources to be made so i would start this off to say i actually enjoy this film um, we'll get to the recommendations as always at the end but i have a lot of things to say about this movie that are going to probably sound uh, pretty harsh. So that's my little disclaimer going in. But the plot uh, falls sort of, there's a high school, it's graduation for our titular character, Anna. Uh, she's frustrated because she's expecting an argument with her dad because she wants to have a year off before college, right? Um, and, uh, and, and obviously he, she doesn't think that he'll, he'll want that. Um, it's all irrelevant because there's a zombie outbreak. So um, as the holiday sort of Christmas pageant is supposed to go on at this school, zombies start showing up, turning people, and uh, Anna and her group of friends have to uh, be, you know, have to, have to combat the dead uh, to try and get back to their other loved ones. Interestingly enough, there's a secondary villain that ends up being sort of the primary villain, the vice principal, who's a freaky radish individual. We'll talk about him more. Uh, and it, it ends in sort of the way that I'll, there's, two, I feel like there's two ways zombie movie ends. Either there's no survivors or there's very few survivors and they're all left like, what the hell do we do next? Um, and in this case, it's a, what the hell do we do next? In fact, the, the actual last line is, uh, what do we do now? I think something like that. The music. Um, I'm just going to go right to the questions with you guys, because when I think musical, I think you need catchy songs. Like I think Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, I think we, I just was lucky enough to see uh, down here in Palm Desert, a production of Hairspray with <clears throat> drag sensation Nina West. Um, and, you know, you think of these really catchy music numbers uh, or really meaningful, sorrowful, emotion-packed ballads. I don't know that I would categorize the music in this as either of those. Um, I think, Greg, when you said high school musical, that was the first thing that popped 
into my head uh, and I, it's clearly intentional, but the music is really solidly that middle level pop. I mean, what were your, what was your expectation on that versus what you actually got? Um, well, I mean, my expectation for the film overall was like you said at the beginning schlock, um, you know, this, this is definitely not what we usually watch. I mean, I, you know, we have our little group message and I texted something to the effect of Nate, you gave us a good movie. What gives like, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what your harsh critiques of it are. Um, I mean, th there's plenty of stuff to poke holes in, but it was, it was fun. It was bubble gum, you know, it was popcorn. It was whatever. Um, to get to your main question though, the music, um, I thought it was passable. You know, none of the songs stuck with me now that I'm away from the movie, but in the moment overall, I was like, oh yeah, this is catchy. This is funny. Um, this is, this is doing something for me. It's doing something for the film. Um, I, I think the only real sore spot for me um, was not the acting because I thought he did a good job but Paul K as the the vice principal what what Andrew Savage Arthur Savage mm -hmm. um I I don't know what the director told him to do but whatever it was they should have said something else um and maybe that was the writing too his his whole song at the end I I thought was the the biggest dry spell of the whole the whole movie you have this bit um when all the students are singing about like oh we're not gonna get what our disney ending or something like that and he comes in with a moment and he sing he sings pretty well for this very funny little moment where like he's watching the students in the corner like singing at them um but then when yeah. it gets to his song he does that like that sing talk that's basically reserved for people who don't know how to sing like Russell Crowe and Les Mis. So, um, <laughs> right. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, that, that song was a sore spot. His character arc seemed a little bit trite, but other than that, yeah, music was, music was fun. It, yeah. I wasn't <laughs> aggravated by it. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, I, I agree. Passable is the right term for it. I wasn't super aggravated either. In fact, there are two songs that I'll mention that I really enjoy. Um, there's, so there's actually, I think three or four cuts to this to this film. Um, the we watched the the U.S. cut, which is ninety three minutes. It's actually the shortest. Um, then there's a the international and U.K. cut, which is five minutes longer at ninety eight. And then there's a festival cut, which is one hundred eight minutes. The the festival cut, I believe, is also I could be wrong. There could actually be a fourth, but I believe that's considered the director's cut. And uh, that actually has been released, although most of the releases uh, internationally and, and here in the states are just the 93 minute cut the difference is <clears throat> is there are two songs uh that were there were cut. one of them was added uh i believe so perhaps there is a dress cut anyway one of them is not very commonly known um and it's sort of a uh, just an additional side story it's it's a it's by but both both there's two cut songs essentially one of them uh is is by Paul Kay's character, Arthur Savage. And it's, uh, and it's sort of, it, it shows how evil he is. And it's sort of where there's a, a moment where the, the characters around him realize how, how, how batshit mad he is. And that kind of 
could be it's necessary because like you said his character arc is non-existent and i don't understand his motivation um his the, cut song where where does it fit into the movie so you know it, yes so it's got to be it's it's a it's it's earlier so it's it's like okay. uh it's and i think it was it, it was a pretty, my understanding, I, now I have not heard the song. You can find this. It is in the director's cut. Um, but my understanding is that it, it's a, which unfortunately I couldn't secure for our review purposes. It's, it's a dark song. And I think that's probably why they decided to cut it because the film overall, even though it's a zombie film and people die, it's not a dark film. Uh, it doesn't really feel super heavy. There's a few <laughs> emotional pulls, but I was never, you know, sobbing here. Um, but I, it, it falls earlier, so there's a hint that he's off, and that would be helpful uh, from a narrative standpoint. And then there's an, another song, uh, I believe, I, I guess it could be even the same song. It's hard because, again, I don't know, I couldn't get this cut. But there is, um, it's a, a song called Whose Side Are You On? And it's between Arthur Savage and Anna's dad. And that would make a huge amount more sense because again, spoiler alert, guys, we have spoilers on the podcast. I don't believe in most spoilers, unless there's a giant reveal that the movie's effect hinges on. Most things are just, oh, I didn't know that would happen, but they're not going to affect your enjoyment of the film overall. That said, there's not really a reveal that's like a big surprise or, or a big necessary piece of this movie. Uh, suffice to say, Vice Principal is evil and he actually ends up orchestrating the death of like everyone's family um and parents like it's kind of shocking that they don't really address it that much um and i guess in this song it, it sort of makes more sense that there's a play between a stronger play between anna's dad who doesn't get to be a huge character in the movie and savage and it all points to what you said greg his arc if there is an arc it seems like there might be one present or or even if not an arc some sort of motivation um but as the film stands in its uh, final wide release cut it is he's just an evil obnoxious weird guy who who wants to punish kids yeah um, it really comes out of left field him killing all these people's families and having a full-on mental breakdown yeah you know going from just kind of the like the cackling evil vice principal like oh like like he's walking through the halls and there's two people making out and he says something like unlock your tongues or something yeah like 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 you know he, he's he's very generic and for him to be this this psycho yeah left field it's like the it's the uh the religious zealot from um hunchback of notre dame right the disney version like it's you know the um uh, freedom or fire you know like that whole like that ever like anything remotely sexual uh or or uh, erotic or arousing or a pda is like super upsetting to him which brings me to and we'll get to jeff i promise um brings me to the song that actually did stand out for me a lot which i absolutely adored which is the the friend character uh one of the friend characters songs which it's it's from Marley Sui or Sue, and I apologize for probably butchering her name, butchering her last name. It's S I U, and she does this sort of Santa baby esque, risque, like sexually charged, um, erotic. I don't even know. Like the, it's the kind of thing where it was just it was obviously erotic and naughty, and at one point she has like 
um, a bunch of young men like strutting out like it's RuPaul's Drag Race and they're the pit crew, you know, with like suspenders and like packed, you know, um, hot pants and candy canes. And she does this um, this sort of sexy song about needing Santa's, you know, to bring his sack, empty his sack, all that sort of stuff. But it's like, it was just that perfect level. And I, Jeff, you and I went to high school together. I don't know if you remember this kind of thing, but it was just believable enough that like some talent show or pageant at a high school would have someone do this because on the surface, you could say like, it's just a song. But when you watch it performed, you're like, this is not appropriate for people. I mean, even if it's just, at least if you're going to do it, please have the teachers leave the room. They are too old to watch these children mill about sexually. Um, that and and we used to have that um oh, i believe 100 no I, yeah I, I remember that in our like, they were really uncomfortable um yeah. that straight up uncomfortable um it was just like a whole i was thinking of the same thing <laughs> yeah and and it just and i loved that 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 clearly is a tradition that goes beyond international waters so uh good good on that and marley sue was an absolute uh dream in that and she's actually uh, a lead character in imdb tv's uh new series uh, Alex Ryder based on, on the young adult book. So I, it's one of those things where I saw her and I was like, Oh, she's, she's great. She's going to do some things. And she already is so good on her. Uh, but that was my favorite song. Jeff, what was your expectation going into this movie? Uh, and then once you were done, what's your takeaway? What's your vibe? What's your feel on it? Um, well, you gave me like the, you know, the, the five second description, which was like a zombies musical something in yep. the, the title so i was kind of i was kind of psyched because I, I like i like musicals um just generally um i'm kind of a sucker for just good music that i know you're uh, a big rents fan like follows like yeah some sort of narrative yeah I'm, basically everything that's a musical I'm, I'm i'm on board i mean i've watched every episode of glee i mean i'm i'm you know i'm Podcast broken in some over. way get out get <laughs> but out here's Here's the here's the problem. I'm kidding. This, I've watched a lot of Glee. <laughs> like having having watched a lot of musicals, like I know the problem with this one. Um, and it and it really um, you you got to start out with a banger. Like you just mm. you just have to. You got you you have to start your musical with uh, something that gets people engaged because because musicals have have an issue of uh, the songs are character development and like exposition. Um, in a lot of cases, uh, there was a lot of non-musical, um, uh, like dialogue and story in this. Um, but you know, still a lot, like a lot of the screen time was devoted to the music, um, and, um, really to, I think to make a successful musical is you have to set a tone and you have to kind of play with the emotions throughout the film. Um, and in this particular case, um, it just like the movie started at like 25 minutes for me it was um yeah i did it i did enjoy the the um the kind of um sexualized santa claus uh number uh but i still wasn't into it it was kind of, that was kind of more of a curiosity mm -hmm. um it wasn't until um uh, i believe the song is called breakaway maybe uh, where um you know the best friend and anna kind of like wake up and they do like the Shaun of the dead thing you know where mm -hmm. he had walked out of the house and was kind of oblivious that the zombie apocalypse had happened 
Um, and, you know, they're kind of just like down, dancing through town um, and they end up at a graveyard uh, where the song ends and then like a zombie in the, which was a pretty sweet like costume um, falls in front of them like the like eaten out um, like yeah and and, bonehead. and of course we mentioned oh. Ella Hunt plays Anna and her friend is uh, Malcolm Cumming plays John sort of the the wistful love interest and I want to say that the Cumming actually stepped out of any rom-com for me like he actually I feel like you could pick him up and put him in any sort of and this isn't a read at all this is a compliment a lightweight comedy and he would just take the take the ball and run uh he really has that vibe and that sort of like goofy charisma where he can play that side character really well um i agree there's there are a couple songs there's another song um the the actual love interest who's kind of the the bullyish uh jock um is uh played by by ben wiggins he has a song um, which is sort of like I'm a soldier with him and his jock friends who sort of like burst in, you know, first third of the movie to join the, the group as they try and make their way through town to school. And I mean, that, that, was a, that was not a rousing song, but I think that that was probably the, the most catchy or most musical-esque song. Right, like in a musical, which I think is something that you kind of were touching on, you can't just have pop music in a musical for the most part. There's some exceptions like Mamma Mia, but in those cases, the ABBA songs they have, ABBA is telling these really weird, almost ballad-esque stories in these pop songs. Whereas if you just were to take, um, you know, uh, uh, the top 40 from 2009, you know, and through Katy Perry and whatever in there, you wouldn't have a memorable musical because the music doesn't really, it doesn't have a narrative story element that, that works in the film. And this sort of has that sometimes. Some of this music falls into the category where I could see it being played by like, you know, a, a, a B-level band. And again, not a knock, it's just not gonna top the charts, but it doesn't really move the story along. It's like it pauses for the music to happen and the music illustrates an idea of the movie but doesn't narratively carry it. And uh, there are a couple of differences like the I'm a soldier, um, the Santa baby, uh, I don't remember what the song's actually called, but that one, I almost wonder too if it works so well because since it's like the school production, it's supposed to be hammy and a little off and not perfectly sung, although she does a good job. And because that's what it's supposed to be, the hokiness really works. Whereas in the other ones where you're supposed to have like these big choreographed numbers, you just couldn't muster, you know, the Disney level of, uh, of choreography budget. Like that was the one thing that threw me off right away is that first dance scene. It, where uh, Hollywood ending one. Is that the one in the, in the, yeah. I know that's the big one, but yeah, the dancing is. It's well, actually, you know, the, the worst thing for that one, for me, like, that one could have been their banger that they started out with um, if it was maybe um, a little bit more catchy. But honestly, if it just was not lip sync so poorly. This is, I think this is actually a key <laughs> thing with musicals. You're already asking the audience a lot mm. to have the character stop and just start singing. Like you, you've, you've asked the audience like a, a huge like leap of faith you can't then also then ask them to like deal with bad lip syncing. Like it has to, like it has to be pretty well matched or it, 
it it just feels uh like just too far off of like reality it gets you too far out of the film um for me i think that um that may they maybe they maybe needed like just like a little bit better song to start off on and they needed it better lip synced like maybe do a big dance number later on mm-hmm. um you needed like even if it was just one person just s- smashing out like something really catchy um in the beginning i think it would have done like a lot because that's what gets you in like you're like ah i like the music and like mm-hmm. you, you you know it's like the thing that like after you're done the film it like kind of gets in your head and you're like oh i kind of want to i kind of want to do that again um yeah um, yeah it's interesting that you say the lip syncing because i mean i anyone who's seen my puppet based short films uh knows that i understand the difficulty of syncing audio with mouth movements okay it is not 100 <laughs> percent um but oh, and and with that many people moving sure. around um they also probably did like a couple um like uh, shots that were pretty long like a lot yeah. of movement um and and with a like a low budget thing you probably couldn't get a lot of takes on that right um so i understand why it happened sure um, but it's still but i just wish they had just not like because it was like too ambitious well that's the thing that, like I, I think i would have accepted that later on like mm-hmm. once i'd been kind of like hooked and into it um but early on like I was like, I was looking for a way into the film. You know what I mean? Like, I was yeah. like, I was like, it was, it kept like pushing me away. And I was like, I was like, but I, there's some interesting things happening here. I want to come in. And they're just like, nah. And it really wasn't until that like 25 to 30 minute moment. I was like, oh, okay. You guys have like found the fun. You found yeah. like something that's a little bit catchy. Um, it's, it's, it's basically just two, um, lead characters doing the lip syncs so they probably could do a lot of cuts on that and mm-hmm. they could probably get a pretty good sync um on the voices they're also um uh, doing a lot of cuts back and forth so yes. that means also the the period of time that they actually had to sync for was shorter sure that's correct. um so it, it just is like this ease of execution thing to get get you into it well, and that brings it back to the high school musical thing, because there are tons of musicals that do not have group dance numbers. Um, you know, of course, I, I, the first one popping in my head is Repo the Genetic Opera is a film, you know, a film first. I mean, it was performed on stage, but clearly it was designed for film. Um, musical that has, there are group numbers, but there are no group dance numbers. Nobody's syncing up their dancing, really. Um, it's, it's more a performative narrative exercise. And in this, the only reason to try those group numbers would be because of the impact of like um, zombie musical and the high school musical, uh, these Disney musicals. Uh, and because it's in high school, uh, at the end of high school, like that's obviously a, was an intent. And it's a smart idea, right, on paper, because, you know, these, these people have grown up and now you can have an R-rated um, high school musical with zombies. But the execution is, is off. And also, and this isn't, I am I am a horrendously uncoordinated person. So, Ella Hunt, I thought you did a fun job. I understand, um, but the fact that you're front and center, it, it is harder when you are not the than the strongest dancer on the screen, um, and that draws focus and uh, and that's sort of a disservice to you, right? Like I think if if you're not the strongest dancer, well then they shouldn't have you dancing the number. They can, people can dance around you then who are dancers. You know, you can work around that from a directing standpoint. But I think you're right. I think the scope with the budget was just 
a tiny bit too far of an overreach. So the end product looked okay. Um, but, you know, I think even regular, I think even quote unquote non-critic uh, viewers probably could tell that like, this is not the top budget I'm getting. Um, I want to mention too, we haven't even mentioned some of my favorite characters. And actually, I think the most successful part of this movie is is not the music at all. Um, it's the the sort of lovable characters we get a few times up. Like we have um, one of my favorite characters who I really wanted to have more screen time. In fact, I would have loved her to be the lead character um, is, is Sarah Swire's uh, character, Steph, who is like the resident lesbian outcast wannabe um, uh, journalist. And she's got some great lines and some great interactions with, with characters like the vice principal and stuff sort of sprinkled throughout. And she ends up being a main character, which doesn't have a huge amount of of lines or scenes and she does a really great job with the character and i really would have loved it would almost it was almost like oh you could have had a daria take on this whole experience and that would have i would have been really into that um i also really liked the anna's um like boyfriend girlfriends we already talked about marley sue but her she's also with um uh i i think it's a uh, Christopher Laveau, is that who it is? Uh, I, I'm sorry if I, yeah, it is Laveau. Um, but they're, they're sort of the boyfriend, girlfriend, the nerdy like filmmaking couple. She's super into him. She sings the Santa baby song for him. And he like wants to be like a filmmaker. And so he's always making these videos and wandering over the camera. And they just have a really nice dynamic and their ultimate end in the film is like a really, that was the one time where I was like, oh, like it's the, it's the like, you know the the sad you know um uh melting of the ice cream cone the the burning of the cinnamon roll you know it's that moment in these films where you're like oh that's sweet and sad uh and sort of mor you know morose but i thought they did a really good job and it wasn't until um you know they spoiler meet their end in the film together that i was like oh i didn't realize that i'd become invested in them because they they did a good job i'm going to pose a question to you guys at this point because I know what I think, but that said, with the characters and the acting being fairly strong, personally, it made me wonder if this would have been a more successful film if they hadn't even tried to do a musical at all. Um, Actually, honestly, like I think if they just kept Breakaway, I think you could almost get like the that Breakaway scene, the, like the Simon Pegg like kind of esque. You walk out and you're oblivious to the world around you. You mm -hmm. could get that scene in, like just the yeah. way it was and not have the rest of the movie be like a musical i mean kung like, fu I, hustle has actually, that right you know you it has a musical number because it, it wasn't even that like it it, it could literally be just them because they they you know they had earbuds in and they're just like you know what i mean it, it actually could have almost fit um like outside of a, a musical space um, well and that's just, a really yeah. common device now right is having just a musical break when even if you're not a full musical like tv especially does it um you know crazy ex-girlfriend did it all the time uh you know uh, animated shows do it all the time bob's burgers great north big mouth and nick kroll and and my Rudolph and all the amazing people in there like they have tons of musical breaks uh that it's not a musical but there are musical breaks and they accomplish that really well. And it's always a fun turn in the show. And then they get back to, you know, speaking more regularly and the more regular narrative, you know, devices. And, and I agree. I think that would have been a really fun interlude. I think 
zombies because zombies were such a popular thing and they continued to like ebb and, and then have another rise we often see sort of these these they're like well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna produce a zombie movie unless you have a really good hook or a really good um it's got to be different somehow novelty right and yeah. so the novelty on this is of course it was a musical and i i think we they 100 percent needed some more ideas like they yeah. <laughs> they if they threw out the musical bit they needed to go to the writer's room and like come up with some ideas but i i'm yeah i'm i'm 100 on board on this idea because the characters that they did create were interesting but we didn't really get enough of them um you can't you just there's just not enough space in a musical for like music character development uh you know mm-hmm. character arcs it just there's like you got to throw something out um and uh you know usually it's it's um uh, like you know some sort of character development in most of the characters sure which i mean nate i feel like the heart of your question is like this film was split this film was really split the more like we talk about it between being a film and being a musical which are two decidedly different things in a lot of ways um and i mean jeff your your quick read right there was was i mean that's perfect like yeah like have it be this kind of out of left field funny moment that they're like singing to each other and mm-hmm. they meet up in the graveyard and it um i'm thinking about like the end of um what was it four-year-old virgin where like after he has sex like like steve krell sits up in bed or whatever and starts singing to the camera and that's like the end of the movie this big musical number and it's funny because it up until that point the film is not a musical and yeah. you and you can still keep the santa baby parody because yeah it's it, it it works in the context of really it's just a an ironic plot device to show everyone's distracted so they don't notice all this bad shit going on right. and um but yeah i i um when you when you talked about the the two extra songs that were cut I, I think that would have helped a lot. I mean, even yeah. if they weren't great, I think that would have decidedly tipped the scale into, okay, this is a full musical. We have this kind of, this battle song. The villain has kind of a, like an inner song. He has a song mm-hmm. with the protagonist too. He has like a taunting, like he, you know, it, it, it hits a lot more versus this felt like, yeah, we want to do something with zombies. We have a decent script that's, that's funny you need to know a lot of ways like there yeah. are jokes in there and they're fun good jokes um and i mean there's there's good like little changes from the norm i mean like we talked about malcolm coming he's like the best friend that's in love with the girl or whatever and he doesn't get her and he dies <laughs> sacrificing himself for her and that's i mean that was great that was great that there's no there's no heartfelt moment between them it's it's yeah. a little more real um she doesn't get with uh the protagonist that is ella hunt doesn't get with um sean connor's character graham i believe that was the like bad boy that she like had hooked up with oh is it or or is it is is that uh i apologize i forget his um name. but yeah be, it's a uh, bennett is it's, that him maybe it's ben wiggins i think the the, oh, the ben, oh nick okay yeah ben wiggins as yeah. nick excuse me um yeah yeah the the bad boy 
also doesn't get the yeah, girl. Like no there's one a gets potential. The... Yeah, there's a potential, but the reality is, is they just survived a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Who's hooking up right now? <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're disgusting. Um, and also, like, the adrenaline doesn't fry your brain so that much that you, like, have you know a trauma bond and just fuck right after it's over <laughs> right you know it's not the end of speed you know where Sandra Bullock looks at Keanu and is like you want to have sex you know like that's it's not that moment um which I mean fair enough sure but. whatever I mean <laughs> hey who, who wouldn't want to watch Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock have sex but um so yeah I, I think I like that too and I, I like that you mentioned that it does have some new things I feel like oftentimes and I'm thinking of, of 2018's Halloween sequel as part of this, um, and it wasn't, I'm not, this isn't a dig, I love that movie, but we often see the thing where if there's the kind of dorky guy who loves the girl, um, the, the, the breaking point from them when they sort of disappear or lose all chance or whatever um, is that they do something jerky right usually it's the um like i'm a nice guy like why am i not well dipshit who cares if you're a nice guy if someone's not attracted to you it doesn't change anything okay that's like your bare minimum but um and we usually get that moment and in this one we don't really get that moment right like you said he sacrifices himself for her and he is well aware that he has no chance with her in all eternity and he's sort of like accepted that on a logical level even if emotionally he's not there and I liked that moment. And the fact that, you know, and they did the thing where the, the jerky jock guy isn't a complete jerk, um, right? And he's kind of a jerk, though. I, I don't know how I feel about his character on the whole, uh, although I think he did a good job. But that kind of brings around the problem with Anna's character herself. And this isn't, uh, this isn't that she's not acted well and she has some funny jokes and things and uh, her vocals are fine. It's really, it's the the Mary Sue problem, right? It's the, um, the, the Kristen Stewart, Bella Swan in Twilight situation. Like you're the main character. I don't know why though, <laughs> you know, like it's just, yes, you're the easiest character because we've seen this a hundred times over, but your desire to sort of take a year off and travel versus going to college has zero stakes for me. I could not give a single shit that you whether or not you go to college right away or you take a year off um so having that as sort of her catalyst like or, or her like and i and i, I think they might have been going for that with the ending right like well what now well now you can go anywhere you want but everyone you know is dead so um <laughs> maybe maybe your priorities are a little readjusted now uh but yeah i, mean, I think that's like a common kind of thing though for like musicals you kind of like dumb down certain things oh sure it's like you like super you like water down certain character points because it's it's simple to film and it's like you get the point across like really quickly mm-hmm. um whereas like something a little bit more complicated uh you know would require you know more than a you know 20 second conversation with her father mm-hmm. and a stop at a locker room or yeah. her um, her locker you, you know what i mean it's like yeah. um uh you know and and basically that's that was the end of that entire character point for pretty much the entire film was just like that 30 seconds of camera time and and that's and and that's that's the cost for these musicals Um, you know i i feel like it's sort of you simplify but you should then have the main arc be her deal right like because what actually happened is sort of the film doesn't have an overall arc so it's, it's a bunch of things happen and then they leave like 
sort of the arc of, say, let's take Shaun of the Dead, it's really that he's kind of a listless bum, not a bum, a slob, right? Like he doesn't have, like he's just going through the motions and has no impetus to survive or or thrive. And he's forced in a situation where it's either, okay, well, you can do that and die, or you can actually level yourself up and and help out those around you and in this i would have loved to see um even more i would love to see a little more creativity like you said jeff it needs some more ideas like i would have loved to actually go backward uh maybe a little bit um uh societally and say instead of having her interest not be about boys or romantic interest have her interests be about boys to the level of she doesn't know who she wants to be with and she wants to be with someone and then you're in a zombie apocalypse and you keep and and your suitor matches keep dying right and and you realize something different and then they die or you realize that they are a great fit for you and then they <coughs> sacrifice or or something like you could have made that the core arc and then we would have followed her where the zombie apocalypse and the musicals the zombie apocalypse is the catalyst for the progression of the plot and the musical interludes are the um the sort of realizations that she comes to as she goes on right like that way all of these devices you're trying to work together actually have an integral function to the film as a whole and i think that's what we're getting down to is that it's a lot of pieces put together but not really a reason for them to be put together um and yeah and i see greg nodding yeah it's just it's, it's sort of and so is it done terribly? No, actually, I enjoyed this film. Um, and I guess we're coming along the time here. We can move on to recommendations. I, I, would, I would say I would recommend Anne and the Apocalypse to people, one, who like or liked in their past things like High School Musical. Um, it's, it's got that kind of music. Some of it's catchy. The Hollywood ending is catchy. My biggest critique with, with that being their theme song, though, is that if you want this to be a Christmas movie, you need your uh, anchor song so to speak, that you're going to reprise and play in the crystal and stuff to be Christmas related. There are a lot of music in this that has nothing to do with Christmas. And so I actually found myself, even though there's snow on the ground and they're hoisting around giant candy canes, I found myself not feeling very Christmassy in this movie. Um, and so it's sort of like you can watch it anytime, but that's yet again, another little novelty that I feel like they put in to make it uh, yeah, stand babies. out start a film out with a christmas banger man it would have fit like sure. dramatically <laughs> right you know right? Yeah, um yeah. it's like, like um, it was i think that yeah like they wanted everything to be a little bit emo um and sure. it just was i think it was just the wrong tone and they could have really pushed it if they're gonna do that do it go farther you get an r rating right so go you knew you were gonna have violence in there and that it was gonna push that to an r rating so go farther you know have your banger opening song like um santa claus can go fuck himself right like do you know just have some you know saint nick can bite a dick i don't know like these are <laughs> spoiler alert we're an expletive Ooh, filled podcast what a, what a great lyricist we got here I'm, this is I, I, let me tell you folks um i i teach college and this is the end of terms literally today as we're recording this and so i have a lot of feelings um and and they're coming out but yeah so like you could really push it and then it would have been you know you don't have to go full team america world police category you know um category but you could have gone farther and it really would have you would have added some element because the film actually is not very, it's not edgy at all. Um, and that, I'm not saying it has to be edgy, but for a film that's sort of 
trying to make like a gore soaked kids movie essentially um you might as well have just pushed it over the line uh in my opinion and that would have been something that would have added a little zest to it um i mean everyone dying that also would have been a nice uh zest we do have we do have yeah we do have survivors in this one um i'm always torn it depends on the movie you know like i always think of um i think it's the i think it's uve bull's house of the dead uh film which always has a special place in my heart where they actually used some clips from house of the dead 2 which was funny because house of the dead 2 was already an old game that had sequels there after it anyway um but at the end like you there's a bunch of survivors and then as the credits play you get still images of them all being butchered and like and you're just like why why did i watch this movie um so there's it really depends on the film i i just i just don't know um and i don't have it here uh, i couldn't find it but i i believe that this might have actually been titled something differently i know i mentioned my problem with the title originally uh, or the you know and on the apocalypse is not really appropriate um i yeah it could have been it was you know christmas you know christmas with zombies or a zombie christmas um musical like uh, that would have been more accurate i don't I think the sound of End in the Apocalypse is better, but End in the Apocalypse makes me think of some apocalyptic doom event that Anna has to stop. It's not the same thing. There is none of that. In fact, this is quite a small scale zombie. In fact, they actually drive away and they don't even hit one zombie on the way out. Um, pretty, pretty manageable zombie apocalypse, if you ask me. Uh, which is why you know the having the villainous vice principal sort of causing more havoc is was a smart move even if it wasn't motivated very clearly because you know you you can't afford you know 3000 zombies in this film it's not world war z right it's not um uh, army uh of the dead it's it's a much smaller scale so i'm going to give it my recommendation um i do think there's better but i also think this is probably a pretty good wide um audience pleaser like you can have it's a horror movie but it's also a comedy that's that's pretty funny uh and there's some musical elements you could get a group of people together that's diverse and they'll all probably have an all right time with this movie whereas you know you can't take silent night uh deadly night four and go and say uh hey grandma let's come watch this movie you know hey kid sister let's come watch this movie you know you can't invite the neighbors you don't know very well to watch that unless you want to see a really fascinating read on your new neighbors uh so let's go to jeff jeff uh would you recommend Anne and the apocalypse and if so why and to who um you know I, I guess i guess we've been talking about like all the problems with this um but honestly after the day i still liked it i still had a good time um you know like once uh you know, once the 30 minute mark rolled in, I was kind of in and I was engaged and I enjoyed the characters and I was enjoying the music and I was having fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's just like, as long as you can take gore and everybody you're going to watch it can take the, you know, just zombie gore, then yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a fun watch. Um, give it a go. Maybe, uh, you know, you'll probably be less harsh than we are, honestly. Like you're sure. probably not looking at this and being like, let me nitpick every little thing that they're doing wrong. 
And remember, I prefaced this whole discussion saying that I would sound quite harsh, but I actually think the movie is a lot of fun. And that is the truth. And again, when you have a movie that reaches a certain level of production quality, you just expect things to be really tight. Uh, And when the cracks start to show, I think you mentioned it uh, several times, Jeff, it's almost like they just reached a smidge over their capability. And if you pulled back a little bit, I think you might have been more successful rather than um, scraping for the success that's just out of reach. Greg, would you recommend Anne in the Apocalypse 2017? And if so, why? Um, yeah, yeah, overall I would. Um, you know, I, I compared it to cotton candy or popcorn. And, you know, I, I take a bite out of popcorn or cotton candy and I know exactly what it's going to taste like every single time. Um, I wish the flavors were a little more complex and there's plenty of things I can say about them, but I'm never going to say no to a bag of popcorn or a stick of cotton candy. I mean, um, oh, and I, 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 I did pull it up. Um, the alternate title, I mean, it looks like it was just Zombie <coughs> Musical, which you had said was the original short film. Yeah. And then they just changed it to Anna and the Apocalypse, which I think, I think Zombie Musical as a short film, I think that's fine. I think yeah. this and Anna and the Apocalypse as a full film title, I think it gives away the, the trick yeah. a little too early when I want it to... Um, Fair. I don't know. I'd almost like it be called like like um, Anna skips college. Like I think I think that, I, <laughs> like, I mean, that like, that'd be yeah. funny. Anna's like, yeah, Anna's year off. You know, like yeah, yeah like yeah. Um, just and, something t- cheeky. And um, sometimes, and like a clever title can really elevate. It's crazy how it can elevate a film sometimes. Like um, John dies at the end, right? Like yeah, that, yeah. that was brilliantly done. Like even whether you like the movie or not. And so yeah, something like um. You can only uh, do that once and then yeah true true um i mean it's not yeah it's like a fallout fallout boy song title you um, know it's just pure madness and and nothing to do with anything but yeah uh okay um, oh well, I, 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 sorry one more thing sure. um i we had talked a little bit about some of the the tonal stuff and whatever and i was doing like digging while we were chatting here and it um it sounds like the guy that wrote this ryan mchenry um, he did the short film in college. It looked like um, apparently he got bone cancer, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. and died before it finished. So a guy, Alan McDonald, took over. Alan McDonald had a draft that apparently was a lot darker, and that's why I'm. That's where I'm presuming those two songs might have come up too. Yeah. And it sounds like some people talked to him and were like, "Hey, you, you're sad about your friend. Let's maybe walk back the script a little bit." Yeah. And so maybe that's what created some of the you know, the weird dichotomy. Very possible. And, and just, and, you know, I went, I went back and watched some Ryan McHenry um, is very funny vine maker and did a lot of YouTube stuff too. You can go, you know, find his stuff right now, go watch it. Very funny um, by, I haven't heard any bad news about him. Um, granted sometimes, you know, who knows, but yeah, I, I didn't know him personally, but it seems like a really cool guy. He did the, um, he did the Ryan Gosling won't eat his cereal series and which was hilarious. And so like, it was, it was actually a huge loss to that burgeoning, uh, burgeoning fine group of, of people, of which we still have some really fantastic people come out of that. And I think if he had still been alive, I do think this movie would have done a lot better because I think it would have been promoted a lot more uh, effectively. Um, it's sort of like how, uh, uh, Bo Burnham, you know, did eighth grade, uh, that film and how that sort of elevated it to 
a higher level of, of respect. And so people gave it a more of a chance. I would have loved to see Ryan McHenry's full vision. Um, I do think this clearly has some, some of his humor elements in there, but yeah, it's a bummer and it's sad and it's great that the film was finished uh, at all. Um, but I, I would, I, I have to say, I would be a little, I'm a little surprised this isn't more well-known. And I think it's because of that situation. I think that there was clearly, there was probably after his death, um, you know, this, this film came out only uh, two or three years, I believe after his death, uh, of, you know, and it had already been in production kind of thing or pre-production. So I think that there was a lot holding this film back. Um, and it's nice that we got it and that it is a fun time, even if imperfect. Uh, and, uh, you know, kudos kudos to everyone involved like i said the cast is great go ahead and imdb the cast guys because there's you know, a lot of great things um special shout out again to marley sue or sweet again i'm just gonna butcher names ben wiggin did a great job um and and you also of course have um uh, ella hunt and malcolm coming doing great jobs i'm just shouting names out right now but it's true <laughs> because everyone in the main cast uh despite some misdirection. Paul K does a good job. Sarah Swire was yeah, fantastic. solid acting all around. Yeah, loved it. Um, so I would cast any one of these people in my movie. So reach out. And that is going to be it for this uh, holiday film feast episode of Cult and Classic Con uh, Cult and Classic Podcast. I have a melted brain from watching movies and grading papers. So um, I'm going to top it off by watching more movies i hope you guys do the same please write us with your questions your uh critiques your recommendations your requests to colton classic podcast at gmail.com and remember tad is not here today but he is more than willing to get your hate mail so if you just have to get something off your chest yeah and tell, tell him, him he how... sucks yo please, go for it i can't i to your window he doesn't listen it. to me anymore <laughs> i keep trying to say it he just just wipes it off it's true it's true we've lost all control uh, over him so go ahead uh colton classic podcast at gmail.com also follow us on instagram at colton classic podcast and on uh, facebook.com slash colton classic podcast and we will uh, be continuing to upload our catalog of videos of our episodes onto youtube uh, at Colton Classic Podcast channel. Thank you guys so much. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, all the stars, all the stars. We need them all. People will find us that way. Recommend us to your friends. Do it in person. Say, hey, here's something that isn't what we were talking about. There's a great podcast called Colton Classic Podcast that you should listen to if you want to keep being my friend. Tell them that. Uh, it absolutely works every time. Thanks so much. And to play us out, as always, is The Chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.